everybody. Welcome to Grace Life Church. We're so glad you're here. Would you put your hands together and welcome our guests with me today? Yeah. So listen, we are so glad that you are here. And I'm sure that as you were driving into the building today, you saw some cones and some parking folks out there trying to help navigate where we're coming and where we're going here and everything. We just wanna say thank you guys so much for your patience. We know that as we're expanding our parking lot and new asphalt's being paved and all of those things, which are all good things, it cause you know, a little bit of delay when you're coming in. So we just wanna say first, thank you to our parking team for doing such an awesome job out there. Yeah, you can give them a hand. They're out there working hard, making sure that uh, we have spots to park, but also thank you to you guys for your patience as you're coming in. And, and we should be back there uh, ready to go just like normal in the next week or so, maybe even next week. So we just wanna say thank you very, very much. Uh, before we get started today, I do wanna take just a minute and just address something that obviously I think all of us have seen is happening in the news uh, around the world right now. And that is uh, some of the attacks that are happening um, in Israel and uh, some of the, the things that are happening there. And so we just want you to know that of course we've been thinking about it and praying about it. And we wanna give you an opportunity to be able to step up and maybe respond to something that you feel like God is doing in your own heart. You might be thinking throughout this last week or so, what is it that I can do? What part can I play? Well, first is we can all pray, of course. In fact, the Bible says to pray for the peace of Israel. So we wanna do that, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So we wanna make sure that we do that. Uh, we also want you to know that we have some amazing ministry partners that are there on the ground in Israel. Uh, we've been partnering with them for some years, so we trust them, we know them. In fact, they're doing some awesome things even right now in the midst of all the chaos and all the war and all the, the bombings that are happening. Uh, we have some of our ministry partners that are supplying some medical kits. Uh, they're providing some generators to people that don't have uh, lights or electricity. They're providing some hygiene kits. They're providing all the things that are still needed even though things are happening and families are trying to figure out what's next. So there's a QR code and a, and a, a number there on the screen. You can text Israel to if you want some more information about that. Also, specifically, if you want to give to a ministry partner that we will make sure 100% of all of those funds are given directly to help those that are helping right there on the ground right now in Israel. Uh, we partner with some amazing ministry partners. They don't run from the battle, they run to the battle. Why? Because we believe that even in times just like this, it's the perfect opportunity to share the love of God with people, to help people know that Jesus is right there with them and what a better spot to do it than to partner with ministry partners right now in Israel. So we want you guys to do that. I'm gonna go ahead and pray. If you guys would just pray with me for our ministry partners and for the peace, Father. Lord, we just come before you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we have amazing partners that are there. We thank you, Lord, that you're not just sitting by, surprised by this, Lord, but you are still our God sitting on the throne as our king. So God, we just pray that you would be with those right now. I think of the mothers and fathers and children and uh, uncles and aunts and grandparents, Lord. We just pray that you'd be with every single person there. We pray you'd protect them. We pray you'd care for them. We pray that you'd be with them in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for that and uh, giving your time to that this week and to prayer. Please continue to pray there. Um, we also have an amazing opportunity 
course, we want to reach the world for Jesus internationally, and we also want to reach the world for Jesus locally. So you know Halloween is just around the corner, and so in the lobby today on your way out, you can grab a couple bags. It's just a simple opportunity for us to be able to access people's neighborhoods and you know knock on somebody's door that normally you can't just walk around somebody's neighborhood really these days and just knock on somebody's door and for them to open the door with a smile on their face, uh, but you can definitely do that uh, on the night of Halloween. So we have an outreach we do. It's called No Tricks, Just a Treat from Grace Life Church. And so what we do is we fill bags with candy and some outreach opportunities there, some invitations to Grace Life. And we say, hey, no tricks, just a treat. We want to do something in return, the opposite, kind of reverse trick-or-treating. If you want some more information about that, you guys can check that out at the table on your way out. So definitely excited about that. But we are in the middle of a sermon series called The Church Jesus is Building. In fact, this is part six, and every week we've heard Pastor Jimmy reference one particular scripture, and it's while Jesus was still here on the earth, he said this to his disciples in Matthew 16, 18. He says, and this is Jesus, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, what rock is he talking about? The revelation knowledge of who Jesus is, who he himself was. Uh, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's some good news for the church, right? Who's the church? Of course, that's us. It's not the building. It's not the services. It's God's people. And so what Jesus is telling his people is that there's a spot where you are now, but I'm going to continue to build you so that way you get to the place where I want you to be so we continue to advance the kingdom of God. And what we've been doing throughout this entire series is we've been looking back at the book of Acts. Why the book of Acts? Because it's after Jesus was raised from the grave three days after he was crucified on the cross. And now we see he's ascended to the Father, but the early church is still there. So it's not just a bunch of history lessons we believe the book of Acts teaches us, but it's actually much more than that. They're examples of how the early church lived then for us, the church today, to be able to live the exact same way they did. I also think we can see the same results they did. And if you look at the results we've seen all throughout the book of Acts is that the church is growing and growing and growing. In fact, in Acts chapter four, we see that the church is already at 20,000 people. Can you imagine 20,000 people? Man, that's fantastic. Here at Grace Life Church, we can do ministry all together with about 2,000 people. Imagine when we're at 20,000. That's a little bit prophetic, right? It's like, absolutely, we're going to 20,000 people. Amen, Pastor Jimmy, you ready? He says, good, thumbs up, y'all right? I don't know what kind of parking lot. Yeah, we can do that, yeah. Listen, imagine what kind of parking lot is gonna need, be needed for, I don't know, we, we're gonna be busing people. I don't know what we're gonna do. We're gonna figure it out as we go. It's gonna be exciting. Listen, one thing we see at the church is growing. And when groups of people grow, you know what that means? There's room for individual people to grow, meaning me and you. One of the ways that we get to grow is we get to learn how to serve one another. You know, we're not just supposed to be put on this planet to serve ourselves, but we're supposed to serve each other, and that's a big part of the church. In fact, as we see in the book of Acts, we're gonna look at some specific scriptures today. Not only, not only does the church grow, but then people start to serve, and as people serve, the church grows, and then there's opportunity for people to serve and grow themselves, and people serve and grow, and the church continues. Now, I grew up serving in my local church. It was a church very much like Grace Life Church. It was a great church. Man, the worship was awesome. Just the spirit of God was there. It's a great pastor leading us, same as Pastor Jimmy. And, and I love that church. But something happened along the way in my own heart. Something happened. And as I started to grow in the church and as I started to be in business for myself, I started to think that the only person that could make a difference was the person that was like on top, right? 
I'm talking about like the senior pastor, the person that had the lead vocalist, maybe that was singing or for the company that I was involved in, I thought it was the CEO or maybe the executive officers and I thought that was the only person. It's all that matters, the only thing that could be. But as I continued to work and I continued to grow and I started working young, I was about 15 years old where I started working at this particular company and, and I just tried to put my aim for the top as fast as I possibly could. And by the age of 23, God had shown some favor on me and that was a good thing. But, but again, I just thought, man, if I don't get to the top, it doesn't mean anything. So at the age of 23, they put me as VP over a couple hundred employees, which was awesome. Again, some favor that God was showing on me. But then around my later 20s, God started to stir my heart again and he started to call me into ministry. And I thought to myself, well, I've had great success in business, so I'll be a pastor like the first week, you know? I mean, it's like, why not? I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, I'm just gonna transfer that success and poof, I'll be like, you know, the pastor of a mega church preaching before thousands of people. But then I realized, oh, wait a minute, I have to, I have to go get a Bible degree first. I gotta know some stuff about the Bible, um, which I was already in process of. But back in the day, you know, you couldn't go all online to get your Bible degree, uh, you had to actually go in person. So I moved from the sunny state of Southwest Florida to Fayetteville, North Carolina, to be able to go back to Bible college to finish my seminary degree. And so when I was there in Fayetteville, one of my very first classes I had to take in seminary was an English literature class. Now, for starters, I'm a math and science guy, if you didn't know that. So English is not my favorite class. Um, and not only is it not my favorite class, but I had to take an English literature class that had to do with Shakespeare, kind of old classical literature, poetry. Yeah, that was my wife. She's cackling because she knows me the best. And she's like, yeah, ha ha, you don't like poetry. I try, I try. One of the things I had to do uh, in this class is I had to memorize a sonnet from Shakespeare. And I had to present it to the class completely memorized. And I thought to myself, well, pfft. This is gonna be easy. I'm gonna kill it. I mean, I've already been managing people, like 200 employees is great. I've uh, preached a couple sermons before. So I memorized my sonnet. My wife works with me. I, I present it to my children and I knock it out. I mean, time after time after time. There's about 30 people in the class and I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna show off a little bit here really is what's gonna happen. So I get up and it's my turn. One of the interns in the class, freshman, he's got his computer and he decides, you know, it's fine, but he decides he's gonna record everybody. So he pushes record, he spins his computer around and I see my face on the screen and I freeze. I'm just like, no, what do I do now? I can't take it. It's a pressure. Just, you know, when the pressure overwhelms you, especially on stage, you know what happens? Sometimes you just go blank. If that's what happened to you, it just goes blank. So I get up there, my mind goes blank. Ah, but there's a, there's a safety net because I remember my professor saying, if you can't remember one of your lines, just say a line and from the back of the room, I'll just say a line or I'll say the line when you say a line and then you'll be able to continue to move forward and you know, keep saying the thing. It's like, okay, that sounds good. So I get up and I, I freeze. Okay, line. They say the first line. Okay, great. I repeat the line. But now there's another line. <laughs> I say line. Second line, they tell me the line, I repeat the line. All 16. <laughs> One at a time, all the way to the bottom. That's what they did, what y'all are doing right now. <laughs> and so I get there to the end, and I'm like, literally, I'm so embarrassed. I mean, it's funny saying it now, but I was so embarrassed. I'm like, I'm never gonna be in ministry. <laughs> like, I can never preach again. I wasn't even preaching. And so, I go and I sit down in the class. I mean, my eyes literally, like, I mean, I'm laughing, but my eyes are like full of tears. I'm trying to hold it back. I'm so embarrassed. 
I, I'm done with the class. I walk home. We live close to where the school was. I walk home. My wife is there. She knocks on, or I knock on the door. She opens the door and she thinks it went great. You know, she don't know. And she's like, how'd it go, baby? And I'm like, ah, like literally the tears <laughs> roll down my eyes. It's that horrible. And I walk in and she's a great wife and she consoles me and, you know, pats me on the shoulder, prays for me. Well, I don't even remember. It was just so horrible. God was doing some adjusting and realigning and breaking of some things that was inside of my heart. Because I thought that I had to be at the top to make a difference. And I inject myself into a whole nother situation and I have to figure out what it is. I'm, and I don't find myself climbing to the top like I thought that I was going to. In fact, after that and a series of other things that happened similar to that as God's you know, doing the work inside of our hearts like he does, I decide I'm gonna join the membership team at our church. And the way that church worked membership at the time was they had some tables at the back side of the auditorium. So when you left like a particular service, you could just sit at the table with somebody and you could talk about how you could become a member of the church. And so uh, I said, I wanted to join that team. And so I served on that team there uh, at that church. And in one year's time, God used me to be able to lead over 50 people to make Jesus their king. I'm talking about just serving, you know? I mean, yeah, we can celebrate for what Jesus does, absolutely. Not clapping for me, but clapping for him. And, and I will tell you, it changed my perspective because I realized regardless of where you serve, God can do great things through you. I knew that. He showed me that. So during that process, God just continued to change my perspective. Maybe you've been there too. Maybe you felt like a time or two in your life that, only the people at the top can really make a difference. They're the people that can, they're only people that really matter. Well, we're gonna find a position here in scripture in Acts chapter six, if you wanna turn there. They're kind of faced with a similar scenario and we're gonna see how the disciples respond. What do they do? Because remember, when the church grows, there's opportunities for individuals to grow. I had an opportunity to grow. It took me a little while to get there, but let's see if we can't speed up the process for us a little bit when we look at Acts chapter six here. We don't want you to have your own sonnet story, okay? <laughs> we want you to just fast track that. This is where we're gonna see the origin of serving within the local church, Acts chapter six, verse one. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint, kind of a rumbling, you know, kind of a low level, like eh, they're murmuring a little bit, uh, came uh, by the Hellenists, talk about them in a minute, they arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So there's one group whose widows are not being taken care of in the daily distribution of food as well as the other one, other group was. So who are the Hellenists? The Hellenists were a group of Greek-speaking Jews where the Hebrews were a, Greek, a group of Aramaic-speaking Jews, okay? And so what would happen in the Old Testament when different uh, countries would come in, uh, the Babylonian captivity, captivity, and then also uh, when Persia would come in, disperse groups, what would happen is they would, uh, they would have to leave their homeland of Jerusalem and they would have to move into the outer cities, which was called the Diaspora. The Diaspora which is basically any area outside of Jerusalem. But when they moved to those areas, the primary language that was being spoken in those areas was Greek. And so there was a lot of Greco-Roman influence there, way more than there was in the heart of Jerusalem. But then after, in, in when Jesus came and rose from the, the grave, a lot of people decided to come back to their homeland. So a lot of Jews started coming back home. And when they come back home, the ones that were speaking Aramaic that never left kind of looked at the ones that were speaking Greek as like, hey, what's up with you guys? Why aren't you speaking our native tongue? Why, 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 don't you, why are you guys acting like that? You have some, some Greco-Roman influence that we don't like. 
So we don't know exactly if the reason that their widows weren't being taken care of is because there was some racial conflict there, but there definitely could have been. They could have been neglecting them maybe because they thought a little bit lesser of them. I mean, in the last few years, I think the world has definitely seen some of this. I mean, we see some racial conflict that has happened over the last few years, and, and we're about to see exactly how the early church handles it. What do they do? Got the Hellenists, got the Hebrews. What's gonna happen? They see this problem. All right, let's look. Verse two. And the 12, the leadership, the apostles, the disciples, right? They summon the full number of the disciples. They gather all the leaders, all of the serve team, essentially, and they wanna get a report is what's happening. Hey, why don't you tell us what's going on? So they assemble them all together, and they say, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, when I first read that, I react to that verse just a little bit. I'm like, the disciples don't wanna stop preaching so they can go and serve tables? Like, who the heck are these guys? Like, because of probably the experience that I've had and that God's brought me through. Maybe you don't read it like that at all. I hope you don't. If you do, I want you to know, if you read it like I do, I want you to know that I've done deep research on this, and it's not a discouraging word against serving, but rather it's an empowering word to the church to call more people into action. Because what the disciples recognize is that the church is growing, and God's called them to do some specific things around preaching the word, and they were with Jesus. And they know they have to continue that, but for the church to be able to serve and the church to be able to take care of their own, they know more people have to step in. So it's an encouraging word, an empowering word to the church to say, hey guys, we have to keep preaching. We know what God's called us to do for this season, so there's a lot of other things that have to get done, so we're gonna empower you to make a difference for the church to continue to advance the kingdom of God all around the planet. So here's their answer. They say, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Now we're gonna skip over that verse for right now because we're gonna come back to that and talk about it in depth. Verse four, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the words, disciples, and what they said pleased the whole gathering and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas. I think I got some of those right, I don't know. A proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands on them. Now, in other parts of scripture, you'll see the same scenario taking place, and you'll see that they call them deacons. Here at Grace Life Church, we call them serve team leaders or serve team captains. Uh, there's a bunch of different serve team captains and leaders that we have. I'm sure many of you are even sitting with us right now in this service, and we just wanna say thank you so much because we have such an amazing serve team, whether you're a leader on one of those teams or you're just serving. In fact, as I look at the, the numbers of all the different people that serve compared to how many people are a part here at Grace Life Church, over 50% of the folks at Grace Life Church serve on a serve team or have been acting on a serve team in the last year. Yeah, absolutely. You guys are awesome. And I want you to know, as you look at like church comparison, that's like a super high number. If you, you don't have, like I have the context for all that, super high number. I mean, we want 100% of people, not because we're like, oh, you have to serve or we need you to do some work for us. It's not that at all. It's because we know that God has called us to continue to grow and to see great things happen for God's kingdom. It's an opportunity for us to step in. I want you to have that same opportunity and mindset shift that I did if you struggle with that at all, the same way I did at the membership table. It's amazing to see God work, uh, the things that God's called us to. It's fantastic. Fantastic. But essentially what he's doing, he's setting up the serve team. You know, here at Grace Life Church, as I was talking with some of our staff this week, uh, every single service on average 
it takes about 75 serve team members every single service to be able to do a service here at Grace Life Church. 75, and that's four services we do on average. That's a lot of people. You guys are an awesome church. Pastor Jimmy, whoever's preaching, they get up. You know, if I'm preaching, it's about 35 minutes. If Pastor Jimmy's preaching, it's about 55 minutes. I'm just, okay. Oh, he's here. Oh my gosh. I didn't see him there. I didn't see him there. <laughs> no, that's not true. Pastor Jimmy's an amazing communicator. I'm just joking, okay? We're, just, we're buddies. I'm just kidding. What happens what happens when people put this in function and it actually works? Look at verse seven. And the word of God continued to increase. More people got to hear about the good news of Jesus and the number of disciples. People are getting saved. Number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Wow, who knows how big the church is now? 20,000 people in chapter four. Chapter six now doesn't give us a number. Man, the church is growing. It's exciting. There's three things that we have to learn from this story. And if you don't learn these things, you are gonna struggle way more than you need to. Listen, prudence is learning wisdom through other people's experiences. What we wanna do is we wanna look at the experiences of the early church and we wanna model our lives without having to go through the difficulties ourselves. Amen? That's what we want. Let's see what scripture says here. Three elements of serving. The first one is every person has a part. Every person has a part. Verse three, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men. Could be seven women, seven people, okay? What does that mean, among you? I think that's interesting. You know, leaders come, serve team people come from among us. It's from our local church. Another part in scripture in Ephesians, it says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Why? Because the people that you're gonna be chosen from know you. <laughs> the people that you're sitting next to know you. The people in your life group know you, right? Which means that we know the things that are inside of us. Every person has a part. He says, listen, everybody gets an opportunity to serve here in God's kingdom. Many people think only the pastors do the most important work. That's not true. In fact, many people think the pastors are the ones that are supposed to do the work. They're the ones supposed to do all the work. Scripture actually competes with that idea just a little bit. Ephesians chapter four says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, kind of the paid staff, if you will, in a modern day Western context, to do what? Verse 12, to equip his people for what? The works of service. See, God's called people, Pastor Jimmy, people on staff at Grace Life, pastors, some of the leaders, disciples, the apostles in the early text, right, as far as the way we read it, to equip people so they can do the work of ministry. Imagine how much more can get done with 20,000 people doing the work of ministry than just 12. Imagine if only 12 people did all the work of the ministry. What would the other 20,000 do? I mean, seriously. Like, no, God's plan is so much bigger than that. It's not for 20,000 people to watch and 12,000 people to work. It's for 12 people and a few others to equip people so that way 20,000 people get to follow Jesus and use their skill sets and gifts that God's called them to do. Every person has a part. It's designed by that, by God himself in the kingdom. First part, every person has a part. Second is this, serving is essential. Serving is essential. Verse three again, whom we will appoint to this duty. There's so many different opportunities to be able to serve here at Grace Life Church. You know, you think about the parking team. Parking team's a great part 
our great serve team to be able to serve and be a part of. In fact, if you think about it today, without the parking team today actively helping people park, I'm not sure how do we got in and out of this building, to be honest with you. Like we got some new asphalt being poured and cones put up because we can't drive on certain parts yet. Imagine if the parking team wasn't helping people come in and out. It probably would have taken three times longer to get in here. Are they just parking cars? No, in fact, they're doing even more than that. You know, when people come into a place, when I come into a place and I see somebody parking with a smile and they're like, hey, I've thought about you coming into the point that I'm gonna help you get into the parking spot that's right here just for you. Oh, it changes somebody's disposition when they walk in. How about, are you just making coffee in the mornings? Not for me, I love coffee. <laughs> Whoever, if, you, if you're on the coffee team, thank you, I love you, I love you. Pastor Jimmy and I, we were talking about coffee and he says it's just dirty water. I, I don't know. I mean, like, is Pastor Jimmy even saved dirty water? No. Listen, he's a tea guy. He's a tea guy. We give each other a hard time. <laughs> it's more than just coffee. When somebody walks in and they see some hot coffee and they pour it and it's hot and it tastes good and they're, and they're taking a drink of it, man, it's like, wow, thank you. It changes their perspective. How about G-Kids? I guarantee you right now, there is somebody's kid giving some teacher a hard time. It's probably mine. <laughs> it's probably mine right now. They're probably there right now giving some teacher a horrible time. Are they just watching my kid? No, they're setting my kid up for life change. You know what they're thinking? They're thinking this kid, he's gonna make a difference in the kingdom. He's gonna make a difference in the world. They're setting our kids up right now in the context and ability for them to learn at their age group amongst all the different age groups so they can walk away knowing who Jesus is and help them to make them their king. That's what they're doing in G Kids right now. Are they just watching kids? No, hey, so much more. And we could go serve team upon serve team upon serve team. Serving is an essential need for the church to take care of her own and to reach the world. Serving in God's church is not being less mature or less important. It's actually the opposite. And it's also about meeting the practical difficulty of just simple ministry needs. It's what we see here in the book of Acts. There's a verse that I wanna read to you. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I just think it gives us such an amazing picture. As I was reading it, I know that I can't do any better describing it than just letting God's word speak directly to us. It's about 10 verses, but let's stay connected and engaged the best we can. It says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. <clears throat> and if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. I'm gonna switch translations to something that's called the message. It's not a word-for-word -word translation, it's a paraphrase. It's almost like poetry. It's almost written like a sonnet. I'm a little scared to read it. Look, I don't have to memorize it. <laughs> Verse 19, but I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. Something I had to learn. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but a monster. Imagine a big ear walking down the street. Yes, nobody wants to. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand, get lost, I don't need you, or head telling foot, you're fired, 
Your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it's a part of your own body you're concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You, get, you give it dignity and honor just as it is, without comparisons. If anything, you would have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion over full-bodied hair? <laughs> the most important verse is right here. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into exuberance. That's the importance of every person having a part and knowing that serving is essential. That's the perfect set of verses for us to understand how important it is what we do matters. Now, there's another part. I told you there's three. Every person has a part. Serving is essential. But this next one matters too. This, the one on serving is almost like skill focus, we would think. And we want it to be well here at Grace Life Church. When people get up to sing, we want you know the, the tune and the key and all that to be right, right? For sure. When we take a drink of coffee, do we want it to taste good? Yes, we do. Do we want it to be you know, just black water? No, we don't. You know, we want it to be like tasting like something. We want it to be good. We want the messages to be well thought out and prepared, right? We spend a lot of time on that. But point three is equally as important, if not more, and it's this. Character always counts. Character always counts. Verse three, this is their selection process. They were looking for people of good repute, good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, this is what this means. Their first filter, their first filter isn't talent, but it's character. That's their first filter. They're looking for people of character. Now, here at Grace Life Church, we have 10 leadership code values that we have, leadership values. We call them our leadership culture code, okay? One of them is this. We choose character over talent, we do that here at Grace Life. We choose character over talent. See, the world typically looks for talent and then elevates that person to a role model based upon their talent level alone, almost as if their character doesn't even matter. Maybe you've seen some of those things play out in the, the wide world of sports, of football or in baseball or in basketball, or maybe you've seen that in social media influencers. Maybe you've seen that in CEOs or of companies. It looks like sometimes people are elevated to their skill level and it doesn't even matter what their character is. In the economy of God, in the kingdom of God, it matters. Character always counts. In fact, in choosing a king for Israel, look at what God says. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man sees on the outward appearance. How does God see? The Lord looks on the heart. That's why we do it. In the role of leadership, we're role models for how to live a godly lifestyle. It's more important for us to be great at following Jesus than it is for us to be great at doing any particular skill. We need to be good at following Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11:1 1 says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's Paul there. 
Paul's saying, hey, the example that I carry with me is you can look at me as I follow Christ and you can learn some things from the way that I live according to the Bible and the way that I live my life to follow Jesus. Are we perfect? No, not by any means. Was Paul perfect? No, not by any means. And yet he can still say that, which means we can too. We can come to a place in our life where our character is in the same way that these folks were. And we can say, hey, follow me as I follow Jesus. I want that for each and every one of us. Like I know many of you personally, you guys already can say that. You guys are a great church. Like I said, we're already doing the things that God's calling us to. This is just us looking at the scripture and saying, hey, we can take it even one step further. I've learned that even though I possess something, I can still grow in it. Never stop growing. I always wanna be teachable. This is what Jesus was looking for in the church then, and this is what Jesus is looking for in the church now. One way to say that is this is what Jesus was looking for in his people then, and this is what Jesus is looking for in you right now. So did it work? What about those guys, those people that the early church set in motion to serve? What happens when you serve? I mean, does anything actually happen? Do things take off? We saw the church grew, but what happened to these individual people? Let's look at Stephen and what happened in his life first. We're looking at Stephen and Philip. In Acts chapter seven, we see Stephen here talking with some people and sharing his faith. And look at the experience he gets to have with God. It says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Remember, this isn't one of the disciples or the apostles, one of the folks on the top leading everything. This is just a normal person saying, hey, I wanna serve. I wanna find my place. I'm a man of character, a woman of character. Serving is important. Stephen, to have this amazing vision of God. I want that for my own life. Remember I told you he was preaching, he was sharing the word of God and the people didn't like it. And, as, and at this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him. Dragging him out of the city, began to stone him, trying to kill him. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed. Imagine what response he could have had. He could have got mad, he could have cussed, could have got upset. Hey, no, Jesus isn't real. I'm not, I, no, no, I'm back out of this. No, he prayed. He said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Essentially saying, you know what? I look back at my life and I'm glad I've lived the way that I have. I'm proud to be called a man of God. I'm proud to be called a woman of God. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. He died, They're stoning him. While he's being stoned, while his murderers are murdering him, he's forgiving those that are murdering him. That's a high level of forgiveness right there. That's what a normal guy, a normal girl looks like that finds their place in the kingdom and they realize that serving is something more than for themselves and they're a part of something bigger. That's what God's calling us to do. We see it in Philip too. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. He loved telling people about Jesus. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he had said. He captured their attention. Holy Spirit was there. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of the many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. God's doing some big things. I love this verse in verse eight, and this is what I want us to take away from this message. This is what we want for our city. These are the kind of people we wanna be. This is the influence we wanna have. So there was great joy in that city. Can I tell you today 
There is joy needed in our culture, in our world, like never before. They need to see people like us that plug in to what we've been called to and realize that it's about something so much bigger than ourselves. And when they see that and they see God moving in our lives and they start to move in their own lives, there's joy that comes in the city. That's what's happening right here at Grace Life right now. You know why people come and they wanna stay here? Because they feel the presence of God and the joy of God is working in their life. May it continue to happen. May the presence of God continue to stay here at Grace Life Church. When I say the church, remember, I'm not talking about our services, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about the people of God. So we pray here right now. Let's just pray and ask God to continue to have his way in our hearts and help him to continue to grow us in these areas. Would you pray with me, Father? I come before you, God. I thank you for who you are. I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to speak to us, speak to your people. God, I am so thankful that I get to be a part of something so big here at Grace Life Church. Lord, I pray that you would help us all to be reminded that we are a part of something bigger, that it's not about ourselves, and to lift our eyes up just a little bit, Lord, and just to be thankful, Lord, for us to be called into something great. Lord, if we need to step up in some areas, Lord, I pray that you would challenge us right now. Lord, we're open to that. Lord, we know that when we read scripture, we see people taking big stands for you and seeing big results. That's what we want in our lives. Help us, Lord, not to end this series and continue to do the same things, but help us to do great things for you and your kingdom. But I pray that blessing over everyone today. There's another prayer I wanna pray as everyone's just continuing this mode of prayer with your heads bowed and your eyes closed if you're comfortable with that. Is just that you might feel far from God and you wanna come close. We talked about Jesus and he died on the cross for your sins and God sent his only son to come and live a perfect life here on this planet that those that feel far might not feel far anymore but would be able to come close to God because there was something standing in the way between us and God. It's called sin, the things that we've done wrong. And so Jesus came and he took down that barrier by dying on the cross for us. So we don't have to do anything to be close to God anymore but just trust that Jesus did was enough for us. So if you're here, I'm gonna say a prayer. And if you wanna make Jesus your king, you could say this prayer under your breath and just mean it with all of your heart. Say something like this to yourself. Dear Lord, I come before you today and I make you my king. I trust that what you did on the cross for me was enough. I put my trust and my faith and my hope in you right now. Help me to have a life of great meaning and a purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, guys, put our hands together.